If you are visiting, my name's Jose. I am so glad that you are here. I wanna welcome you to this imperfect church, Cypress Creek Church, that does what we can to follow the perfect Savior. We wanna love God, we wanna love people, and we wanna make disciples. And I want to invite you, wherever you are in your spiritual journey, whether that is checking Jesus out, not quite sure if you are in with Jesus, welcome, come on in. Great week to check a church out, or whether you've been walking with the Lord for a long time, welcome to this imperfect church. We've started a new series called Kingdom Manifesto, where we're looking at the Sermon on the Mount, and I love when God just does this. I love when he gives us exactly what we need to hear and what we find in this Kingdom Manifesto, which I'll intro here, but I wanna set the context of where we are in the Gospel of Matthew. We're in Matthew chapter five, Jesus, we have the, the Christmas story, and then Jesus goes to the desert, and he's tried and tempted by the enemy. 40 days he's without, we went about seven. Could you imagine? 40, 40 days without food, without water, just by himself, but God was with him. And then he starts his ministry at age 30, starts delivering people. He starts healing people. And I'm in awe that he stopped doing that because he saw these crowds gathering. And so he went up on a mountain and said, hey, sit down, I'm gonna give you. See, he gave them the ministry of healing and deliverance, but now he's gonna give them the ministry of his word. And he's gonna teach us, his people, how to build lives our way. Let's look at the definition of manifesto. Manifesto is a written statement declaring publicly the intentions, motives, or views of the issuer. And so Jesus does just that. He says, these are my intentions. This is what it means to be a person of the kingdom of heaven. And if you sense a little fire in my belly, it's because I have this fire from this message. We're going to be reading a lot of scripture. There's 2,000 words, not only going to go through it today. Pastor Bob did that last week. I hope you were blessed by it. If you didn't, go check it out. He recited the entire Sermon on the Mount, over 2,000 words, 112 verses, three chapters from memory. And if you're online and you're like, I bet he's got a little teleprompter. We're at church. You're just going to have to believe us. From memory, Pastor Bob is the most disciplined scripture memorizer that I've ever met in my entire life. And he blessed us with that last week as we heard the entire sermon. We're gonna go through 16 verses, but there are a lot of verses. So we're gonna go through a lot of scripture. And my hope as we go through these verses is that you would survey your life. That's the first thing, survey your life. Because God is teaching us how to build our lives his way, not only for our own good, but so that we can show the world that there's a better way to live. And so we, let's survey our life. Ask what's broken, just like we're serving our homes right now, checking for broken pipes and damage. Let's survey and ask God what is broken. The second thing is we're gonna have to demo some things. We're gonna have to take some things out. The enemy is crafty and the enemy establishes these strongholds in our minds, these patterns of thinking. We are influenced by the pain in our experiences, our hurts. And what the enemy wants to do is he wants us to well in that and sit in it. And God says, no, do away with that because I've already taken care of all of that on the cross, process that through me with this group of imperfect people. And then let's rebuild. 
and allow the Holy Spirit of God to maybe remodel a part of your life or completely rebuild your life so that we build lives our way. So that's what we're going to do as we look at the Beatitudes this morning. So here's what we'll do. I'll read the Beatitudes, and then this, the uh, four verses after that, we'll go through verse 1 through 16. I'll pray, and then we'll go through verse by verse and talk about what God is teaching us. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you that this word has everything for us that we need. It is the bread that satisfies our hunger and our thirst for anything that we can want or need in this life. It is enough. And so I pray that your Holy Spirit would open up our minds and our hearts to receive what you have for us this morning. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely slay all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way that they persecuted the prophets who were before you, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world, and a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. So let's dig in. Jesus is saying blessed eight times. He gives us eight beatitudes. What are these? Well, they're ways, states of existence. He's calling us happy. This is what it looks like to be happy. And if you read these the way that I read them, they make no sense according to our reason. Happy are those who are poor. Happy are those who mourn. No, that does not make sense for us. And so what I want to do is go through each of these and then I want to look at the way of blessing. I want to look at what God says. I want to look at what the world says. Blessed those who are blessed are. And then a question for us to survey our life. Blessing, this word, makairos, it's a Greek word. And it means that a person is blessed from God's perspective. Even when he or she doesn't feel happy or isn't presently experiencing good fortune. See, happy, blessed, we're talking about spiritual prosperity, not 
earthly prosperity. And each beatitude has two clauses. The first one is a statement of blessing, then following the statement of identifying who that blessed person is. And the second is a reason for the blessing. So let's start with this first one. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Now the world would say blessed are the self-confidence, for they can accomplish anything. And the question is, how do I, how often do I depend on God? See, if we are depending on our own strength, our own understanding, then God just doesn't fit in our life. We have everything that we need. And God came for the sick, not those that think they're okay. God came to serve, not to be served. And so this first one really is the doorway. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Are you and I willing to be fully dependent on God? Are you and I fully willing to receive? We learned something this week as we were out delivering goods. We could only help those that asked for help. There were needs everywhere. I knew it. But we could only meet the needs of those who raised their hand, called, and said, I need help. Everybody else, well, hopefully they had what they needed. But help only comes to those that ask. God is asking us to depend on him and say, I need help. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We're going to move quickly because we have a lot to cover. The second is blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Our world says blessed are the excited, blessed are the fortunate, for they're doing awesome. Some of you, I know, beyond what we experienced this week are experiencing a season of mourning a season of loss, a season not only of a loss of a loved one, but a life that is changing, a life that because of circumstances that are out of our control is not doing well. And so we grieve. God is there to comfort us. We mourn oppression, persecution, but we do not despair because we know the end of the story. We know that this life isn't it. We know that at the end, we will come face to face with our Lord and Savior. And whatever we are mourning, whether sickness or circumstance or family, loved one, whatever, all will be made new when we come face to face with our Lord. I love this promise in Revelation 7, 17. For the lamb on the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of life giving water, and God will wipe every tear from their eyes. Have you allowed, have I allowed the love of God to comfort me? Because it's here to comfort us. And then 2 Corinthians 1, God teaches us, Paul teaches us that we comfort others, therefore, how God comforts us. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Next, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Our world says, no, blessed are those who do what they have to do to win, for they're unstoppable. What is meek? Glad you asked. Meekness is humility toward God and towards others. It is having the right, listen to this, it is having the right or the power to do something 
but refraining for the benefit of someone else. See, normally in this world, the way that we are organized this side of heaven, it is the domineering, it is the harsh, it is the aggressive, it is the loud that tend to be in control. And what Jesus is teaching us here is that, no, it is the meek that will inherit the earth. It is the gentle. See, Jesus was the epitome of meek. And sometimes we think that meekness means weakness, but don't misunderstand. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is strength. Jesus showed us in Philippians 2, 6 through 8, that Jesus, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. That's meekness. Blessed are those, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Our question is, how easy is it for me to lay down my pride for the benefit of others? Blessed are the meek. Next, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Another word for this is, for they will be satisfied. Hunger and thirst for not self-righteousness, but God's righteousness. There is no, there's no more, there, there's nothing more satisfying than pursuing a life the way that Jesus has called us to live. It may not look great in the, in the short run, but in the long run, it is the most satisfying way that we can live our life. And this righteousness means both justice for the vulnerable and ethical right living. So it is righteousness that we are pursuing in God's people, a desire uh, to live a life lived above the entanglements of sin and a desire for revival. That's what we need. We need revival. In our world right now, there is a lot of justice talk going around. And what is very concerning to me is I don't know who is defining morality for our culture. I don't see a moral compass. And so when we start swerving the way of God, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for success or, or those who hunger and thirst for popularity or those who hunger and in, 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 in thirst for privileged life, man, I don't know who is defining what good and evil is, but I'll tell you, it's not Jesus. He is not the moral compass. We'll, as the people of God, we need to hunger and thirst for righteousness. We need to live lives the way that God is calling us to live, and we need to look out for the vulnerable among us. So the question for us is, how am I loving God and loving those around us? How am I pursuing godliness and loving the vulnerable in my community? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Our world says blessed are those who get even, for nobody can push them around. I'm sorry, 
But this is the word of the Lord. Do not seek revenge. Allow Jesus to seek that on his own. He will come back and he will judge. He is the one who sits on the throne. And I don't know what you think or how holy you may feel. Sometimes I feel kind of holy and I have to remember, I do not sit on the throne. I do not want to sit on the throne. My job is to be merciful. My job is to be grace. Why? Because that's what I've received and it was free. I do not deserve the mercy of my Lord and Savior. And so easy, freely I receive and freely we must give and demonstrate forgiveness towards the guilty and kindness for the hurting and the needy. Micah 6, 8, what has he has showed you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Question for us is how am I extending mercy to those that do not deserve it? Blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. Three more. Blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. Our world says blessed are those who look good for they will impress others. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Old Testament has a lot to say about purity, ceremonial purity. So there's a lot of regulations in the Torah and the book of Leviticus about washings and, and all of these things that we needed to do in order to be in the presence of God. Well, Jesus made us pure when he washed our sins away by dying on the cross and washing us all, not some, but washing all of our sin with his atoning blood and his atoning sacrifice. We are pure in here because of what he has done for us. The question for us is, is my heart open to God's healing and forgiveness? How is your life of confession? How easy is it for you and for me to go to Lord, to go to the Lord and say, Father, forgive me. Because as soon as we ask, we are forgiven. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me, cried David in Psalm 51. After committing heinous crimes, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. What does that mean? It means that we will see God. Who is God? Jesus. We will be in relationship. With Jesus, we will have right standing with God and have peace, which is the next one. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. This world says otherwise. Blessed are the, are the potsters, those who stir up the action, for they get lots of attention. If you're a potster, let me see your hand. I'm just kidding. If you know a potster, let me see your hands. They're all over the place sowing discord and just sowing chaos and drama for no reason just to be loud. We don't need any more loud voices. What we need on this earth are peacemakers who sow seeds of righteousness in their lives and in their communities. There were some in Jesus' day that just wanted to cause trouble. There was political upheaval at the time. There were these groups, they were the zealots, they were Jews, and they wanted to overthrow Roman rule. 
from God's land. It was a good thing that they wanted. They wanted to be their own governors. And so they, they, they did all sorts of, you know, stuff. Blew, well, not, maybe not blew things up, but they stole things and they, they, they you know, killed people. And Jesus is calling them right out and saying, that's nah, not what I'm coming for. I'm not coming for political gain. I'm not coming to, to, for this political revolution. I'm coming for a spiritual revolution. And this spiritual revolution will bond together every nation in every tongue, in every culture, not just God's people. But now every knee will bow at the name of Jesus because of what Jesus has come and done. Blessed are the peacemakers for they will be children of God. Do my words and actions bring peace to those around me? I want us to do something. I want, to lace, I want us to lace up. Maybe you don't have laces this morning. Maybe your shoes are already tied, but let's do this. Before we leave out of here, let's lace up the gospel of peace around our feet so that when we leave here, we fulfill the words of Isaiah 52.7, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. That's the good news is that God's on the throne. That God, he's got it. And our job is let's be peacemakers and let's tell people about Jesus. More on that to come. Blessed are the persecuted, last one, because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Our world said, blessed are the safe, for they will be comfortable. I don't know about you, but do you see that things are getting a little bit more uncomfortable? Our comfort seems to be shaving away. Don't get comfortable now that we have electricity and maybe not water and stuff. We're not called to be comfortable. We're just passing through. We have these temporary bodies that have one mission, and that is tell other people about the hope that we have because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is it. That is it. We need to be those that are willing to suffer for the name of Jesus because it will come. I don't want to scare or spook anybody, but the reality is it's here many times when we read the epistles, Paul, he's all over it, the enemy wants to silence those that have the gospel of peace in here. And our job is to go and preach. I want to preach a little bit. If you don't mind, we're at church. So if you're a little uncomfortable, then just get ready. We're in Romans 10. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me repeat it. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
That is good news for all that have ears to hear. And my hope is that out there, man, those of you that have not yet said that, that haven't confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart, for it is with your heart that you believed and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved that you would do that today. Because that's all we have. This world is crumbling. But greater is he who is in us than he who is in this world. And we have a hope inside that allows us to go through whatever this world throws our way. Why? Because we're just passing through. And we want to take as many people with us on our way to heaven, on our way to eternity with our Lord. And Savior. Let me keep on reading because it says in verse 11 of Romans 10, the scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never, listen, never be put to shame for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Not some people, not those who get their act together. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But here's the challenge, church, verse 14. How then can they call? They, those who are lost, those who are perishing, those, our neighbors and our family members and those in our community that are starving for spiritual bread. How can they call on the one they have have not believed in? How can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? How can they have heard in the one unless someone preaches to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. There's that promise from Isaiah again. And so my question to you this morning is, are you willing to suffer for the gospel of Jesus Christ, because our world is dying and our world needs his good news now more than ever. Blessed are the persecuted, for they will be called. Nope. Blessed are the persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You are the salt of the earth. Who is you? That's next, that's verse 13. You, you, not the popular, not the privileged, not the powerful, you, the broken, the mourning, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the merciful, the pure, the peacemakers, the persecuted, that's you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty? Again, it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. And if you're a chemist and we have some chemists in the house, you may be saying salt can't lose its saltiness. What's it talking about? Well, I did some research this week and I learned some things. There's these rocks. Back when Jesus lived, there was these rocks. They're still there, I'm sure, in Israel. But these rocks that had salt in them and salt was used for three things back then. Salt was used for a preservation of food, for meat, for fish. Salt was used for, uh, for taste, for making food taste good. It still is. I, I'm one who puts a lot of salt on my food. My wife tries to keep me healthy, but I like my salt. And the third is that salt is good for fertilizer, for the earth. In these rocks, once all of the salt was absorbed, by the fish, by the meats, then the rocks were not good 
for preservation anymore, and so they had to go. They were only good for stepping on. They weren't good for what they were intended to be, preserving life. What is salt? I'm glad you asked. It is the gospel. It is grace and truth. It is the grace of Jesus. It is the truth that sets us free. And so you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We are called to be salt and light to a lost world out there that needs you and me more than ever, not because of anything good that we can bring, but because we glorify his name when we go. Worship team, you can come back up. I wanna close with a story. In the vessel of salvation minivan, we only had two cases of waters left I believe this was Thursday or something like that. We uh, found a gallon over here at the church. It was good for like half a gallon. And I knew that drinking water was gonna be in need. And, and so I said, Lord, what do we do? I mean, I don't know where to get water. There's no water on the shelves. There's no water anywhere. Boom, end of that day. End of that day, 71 cases of water. 60 gallons of water in jugs all made available by God's people in God's perfect timing for the community. This, the lights were turned off in here, but you know what was on? It was, we were like a lighthouse, just beaming all around the community, looking for those that needed help in providing warmth and water for those that need it. That is who you, Cypress Creek Church, are. As I heard of stories of you going to your neighbor's house, you helping full community groups, going out, fixing people's plumbing. You are the light of the world. You are a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. We have to go. We have to go. And so I don't know where you are in your confidence of being bold for the gospel, but I implore you, you don't need to have it perfect, but you do need to say something. And so whoever it is this week, open up your mouth and say, Lord, give me words because I can't. Share your story. Tell them how you have been rescued by Jesus. Tell them how you are doing this imperfectly and then invite them on the journey. Are you willing? Are you ready? Let's be salt and light this week.